You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, Thursday edition. Matt, this is a very special Thursday in 2021 because it is the first Football. I was going to say real football game. It's not really a real football game. It's, it's, the, <laughs> well, it's the least real football game, game we're going to have, but it is the football game. NFL football happening tonight, Thursday night. We'll break it down tomorrow, what we saw from the Hall of Fame game. There's going to be a ton of inductions and speeches all throughout the weekend, and we will definitely cover all those things. But just real quick, before we bring on today's guest, Evan Sidery, the host of Locked On Colts, to talk about everything going on there in Indianapolis and their Season got thrown for a loop early on here in training camp. But, uh, yeah, your Pittsburgh Steelers tonight taking on the Dallas Cowboys. I don't know what to expect or who's going to be on the field. Uh, I hope we get to see, like, at least one of those C.D. Lamb catches before he's pulled from the game if he plays at all. I know there's not going to be any Dak or Big Ben or anything like that, but I'm just excited because some real action is going to be happening tonight. Trust me, I'm super excited as well, and I will watch every snap several times because it's the Steelers, and then I host a, well, I'll do that tomorrow, but I host the post-game show, which I will say is not my favorite responsibility of the year, because you don't leave the radio station until about 1 a.m. on these pre-game, post-game shows, Uh. but... And so I'm going to be watching all the third string guys and the recent draft picks that we haven't seen. And, you know, there's been no preseason football for two years now. So, you know, it's been a while and a lot of these guys will start to show themselves. But I will say the two most anticlimactic moments of the NFL calendar year are the day or first couple days of training camp opens because, folks, they don't really do much for a while. And the Hall of Fame game, <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. it, uh, everyone will tune in. It'll probably get great ratings by about the third series. You'll be like, who are on earth are these people? You know, and, and <laughs> that's just the way it goes. Are you going to see anybody? I, I imagine no TJ Watt, no Big Ben or any guys no. like that. But what about the rookies? Najee Harris get a carrier too? maybe a little Pat Fryermuth action, some Kendrick Green in there. Uh, Kendrick Green is going to be a starting center. Ninety percent chance. So, yes, I think he plays a lot. I'm sure you see a lot of Fryermuth. I think Harris will be in bubble wrap. They're so high on him, and he's so important. I would be shocked. Um, I guess what's kind of interesting is Mason Rudolph and especially Dwayne Haskins. I mean, at least that's a named quarterback. And Rudolph's getting the start over Haskins, correct? I assume so. I haven't heard that officially. It would shock me if not. But Haskins has really generated – there's some buzz around him. I mean, he has exceeded expectations in camp thus far. Just say that. So just really quick from uh, a Steelers perspective, any secret superstars there, someone to look out for in this game that could be fun, you know, maybe uh, somebody opening eyes as an undrafted free agent or maybe a second-year guy that nobody really got to see in the preseason last year that might stand out for the Steelers? Um, I really am going to be focused on Matt Canada's offense, motion, uh, Lyman in a three-point stance, Ben behind center, play action, catching up with the the times offensively, which the Steelers have been behind. And along those lines, with Harris benched, last year's mid-round pick, Anthony McFarland, I think is interesting. I mean, he was really swimming as a rookie, and I think he could do some some good things tonight. Um, Dallas, I mean, their their draft class was like all defense, so I'm kind of excited to watch a lot of those guys too. They've got a ton of guys. Uh, Israel Mukuamu, the big safety. Um, yeah. 
they had Kelvin Joseph, obviously, in the second round. And ah, I always forget his rap name. Well, do you remember what his rap oh, name was? Oh, yeah, you told me this, and uh, I don't it was remember so, it's it. It's such right. a weird, good rap. I like, I, whatever it is, it's hilarious, and I love it. Micah Parsons, maybe see him in there a little bit. I hope. I, I would have I, I liked to see at least one collision between Najee Harris and Micah Parsons, but I, uh, I guess we're not going to get a chance to see that. Um, there was a Digazua D-tackle could get some action. Jabril Cox, part of that draft class. Uh, yeah, you're right. So many defensive, defensive players yeah. that they that they drafted there, and uh, some young offensive players too. So that'll be fun. Simi Fuhoku, big bodied wide receiver out of Stanford, that is an interesting, He's interesting. one as well. Yeah. yeah so we'll, uh, I wonder if we'll see any CD Lamb. He might not even play. Uh, no Dak. So that means it's going to be a lot of Garrett Gilbert, uh, Ben DiNucci, who we saw a little bit last year. So that's that. <laughs> you're right. It is kind of anticlimactic when you start to look at the names you're like well if this guy's not gonna play who's gonna play you're like, oh, okay garrett gilbert yeah. i guess is what we're gonna get to see cooper rush maybe exactly um, Danucci's a pittsburgh guy so that's something i guess uh, and i uh, last note really on the the festivities i'm pretty excited about it. i've mentioned canton's only like two hours up the north of me so i'm driving up there saturday i don't know noon something like that gonna be on the air on radio row from three to six Saturday and three to six Sunday. And I guess it'll be a lot of buzz. It sounds like a lot of different media outlets are going to be up there on radio row and it's not going to be the Super Bowl or combine, but it should be a fun event. And we're hoping to get Alan Fanica or Bill Cower or some Steeler Mm -hmm. to sit down with us. And I think they'll probably set that up for us. Right. That'll be probably a bigger event than the game. I imagine. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Oh, I, I meant to tell you too. I think we brought this up like a week or so ago. Remember we were talking about the speeches? Yes. They they are limiting the speeches to eight minutes each. Okay. I mean, there's there's so many of them. So that makes sense. Some of them are – I never watched the speeches. I'm, I'm kind of embarrassed to admit that. But some of them go on for like 45 minutes yeah. like in the past. It's Ugh. tough too because I think if you were in-house, you would enjoy it and get it. And some guys make references and uh, sometimes the older folks are making references to thing i don't even remember and i'm not the youngest guy anymore and i still don't remember some of the things they're talking about and referencing people that are in the house and it's like yeah it, it's more of a i think a more personal thing if you were there and one of your favorite players is inducted in the hall of fame that'd be pretty cool to see up yeah, close yeah. but it, i don't think the speeches really translate that well over the television yeah it's long i i used to be into them as a kid and i kind of gave that up like i gave the pro bowl up oh yeah the pro bowl well, My goodness, I can't believe it, it exists. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's it's going to take some star to blow their knee out in the Pro Bowl. I would watch the Hall of Fame right. game all day long over the Pro Bowl. I, I will say Oh, that. yeah. All right. Uh, fantastic stuff. Football is happening. I'm pumped for it. We'll break down whatever it is we do get to see from Thursday night. We'll have those notes for you on Friday's show here. But let's talk Indianapolis Colts. What's going on there now in the AFC South? Evan Sidery next. Let me tell you about Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing, and you can track all that action at Bet Online. Get the latest news, odds, information, including Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL, even all your UFC, MMA action. They got so much going on here. So before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or your mobile device. It's super easy. And check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get in the game as teams preps for their runs for the playoffs as well. Uh, head to the website and or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use our promo code LOCKEDON, 
all one word, all caps, locked on. That's 50% welcome bonus. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Joining us now is Evan Sidery. He's the host of Locked on Colts. You can find that podcast just in the same place that you found this podcast, everywhere you find your podcasts, at Locked on Colts on Twitter. And you can find Evan at E. Sidery, also doing NBA stuff. Am I right, Evan? It's a crazy time of year. You had the NBA draft. You have free agency now with the NBA. And that happens immediately after the season. And, of course, everything going on with the Indianapolis Colts right now. Uh, I have to imagine your head spinning a little bit. Busy time for you. Yeah, very busy time for sure. And honestly, I think the Colts takes more precipice right now just with what's going on right now. I mean, Carson Wentz and Quentin Nelson get the same freak injury on their feet. It's a it's a weird time right now to cover the Colts. Oh, without question. <laughs> Just get right to it. We got to get your your full take on this went situation. You know what should they do? Um, you know what's the latest news? How was he looking beforehand? Anything you can get, give us. Yeah. So Carson Wentz, he was the first two days of camp, which we participated before his foot injury. He looked great. Uh, Frank Reich was raving about him. Scott Milanovic, the quarterback coach, also was raving about him. Chris Ballard even mentioned that you could feel his presence on the field in the first two days just with his arm talent. And he mentioned that's the first time he's mentioned that since Quentin Nelson in 2018 when he was a rookie. So the Colts were obviously falling in love with Carson Wentz, the quarterback, during the first few days of camp. His mobility was on the full display. His arm talent was light years ahead of what we've seen the last couple of years with Jacoby Bursette and Carson yeah. Wentz. A lot of deep shots we saw from, to T.Y. Hilton, Zach Pascal, Paris Campbell, etc. But outside of that, Wentz, his mobility really helps open up the offense. And unfortunately, it was on a rollout play. We still don't have video proof of it, but it was on a rollout play where Wentz hurt his foot. It was a, a freak injury he suffered in high school, and I guess it popped back up is what Frank Reich said. And that timetable now, five to 12 weeks, it's a very big time frame here. So if all goes well for Wentz, you maybe get him back for week one. But if it's a slower development, he could miss up those six weeks of the season. Are the Colts done at quarterback? Uh, Jacob Eason, is that really going to be the plan and that's it? And, and hoping for the week one return for Carson Wentz and not the 12 the week timeline? I think that's what the Colts are banking on right now. And honestly, I'm for it as well. I think you just have to see what you have with Jacob Eason, the fourth-round pick in the 2020 NFL draft. This very strong arm talent. He had one of the strongest arms in the 2020 draft. Everything behind that, though, was lagging behind with Eason, just the quarterback acumen, the processing ability. But offensive coordinator Marcus Brady did mention Eason took a leap this year during OTAs with his processing ability, his playbook knowledge as well. I think Eason deserves a chance to see what the Colts have and might get them behind the eight ball, especially with the first five weeks of the season. It's just the true gauntlet of a schedule they have. You have the Seahawks, the Rams, the Titans, the Dolphins, and the Ravens. Four of those five teams are, are more playoff teams last year, and then Miami barely missed the cut. So if Jacob Eason going into that, if he starts all five of those games, that's truly a baptism by fire moment for him. But also don't rule out Sam Ellinger, their sixth-round pick. According to Stephen Holder, the athletic, he reported yesterday that Ellinger is really impressing the Colts brass, and he's a further ahead than many expected. So I do wonder if Ellinger does well in preseason if we sort of see a pseudo-camp battle happen. It does seem to be some buzz on Ellinger, and he's a much different player than Eason, skill-wise, size-wise. Everything about him is totally different, to be honest. Um, i got to admit, when the Nelson news hit, I basically said on this podcast, man, the Colts are, are cooked. The, it's a shame that it's done. The beginning of the schedule is so awful. Um, but wonder, I wonder if you have this take. The more I've thought about it, the more research I've done, 
we got that really weird injury timeline between five and 12 weeks. And I immediately thought, boy, that's strange. And I think what that means is they have their surgeries. Two weeks from now, they'll have an idea of, is it five or is it 12? And I guess they didn't know that answer before they actually made the incision. So if it's five, those guys might be back by week one, week two, something like that. Yeah, that's correct. So if they are back within the five-week time frame, that's a week before the season opener against Seattle. So I think that gives them definitely enough time to get back into practice and get going as far as conditioning goes and out the main back into the offense. Quentin Nelson, I feel like, is a better transition just to step right in at left guard. Not a lot of movement there, just a lot of head-on-head contact, maybe some pulling situations. But Quentin Nelson did post on Instagram, too. If you go on his Instagram, he – he truly believes it's only a five-week timeline. He's said he's dedicated to getting back within the shortest time frame possible. Obviously, a three-time first-team All-Pro. He doesn't want to miss any time. But I do wonder, this has been in the back of my head since the Carson Wentz injury happened, is if Wentz isn't ready by week one, do the Colts go ahead and just sit out Carson Wentz and take a longer time frame for five to six weeks? Because that's <clears> account <throat> differential for that first-round pick is on the table for them. 75% of the snaps or 70% of the snaps and the Colts make the playoffs. If Wentz misses five to six games, they're right at that threshold for that for that snap threshold. And then at that point, the Colts could recoup or only send out a second round pick instead of a first round pick for Carson Wentz. So that's in the, been in the back of my my head for a little bit. How do the Colts go about Carson Wentz if he is indeed out week one? Is it just you sit him out and be super precautionary? Or do you get him right back and maybe just try to make a push? Yeah, that's really I have tough. Real quick, I, would jump, oh, I apologize, Brian. I just want to throw one thing in about that pick because I, I think that's a big deal, the first, second round pick. However, if things go well, that pick is somewhere between probably 20 and 32. If things go poorly, that pick is somewhere between probably 33 and 40. So it might not be that big a difference. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's a valid point because this Colts team, I expect that if everyone was fully healthy, they're around a 12, 11 to 12 win team this year. The, the second half of the schedule after that five-week gauntlet is super soft for them. They can take full yeah. advantage of making a run. So that, that's a really valid point. I could see even if the Colts, let's say, start one and four or two and three, they could push their way back into a situation where they're around 500 near the end of it. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you about is that that early season, it, the season's not over if the if the Colts are, you know, one and four after the first five weeks. Right. There's there's still some way to salvage that and potentially try to to work your way into the playoffs. Correct. Yeah, that schedule they have. Obviously, the first five weeks is super tough right after that. Yeah, the Texans, you also play, obviously, the Jaguars twice after that as well. And then from there, you have just a lot of teams who were not even on the outside looking in for the playoffs last year. So I think if the Colts were in a situation where they were to start one and four, Brian, I think it pushed their way back into a it, – it's weird to say it's, it's in a 17-game schedule now, but like a 9-8 and eight or a 10-7 or a and seven type of record because this Colts schedule is super tough in the beginning. But in the end of it, they could really make a running – almost like 2018 when the Colts started 1-5 and five with Andrew Luck just getting his rhythm back, and they finished the season 10-6. and six. I could see a certain situation like that happen this year if Wentz can come back and then gets a rhythm against the soft schedule. Evan, we had a fun fantasy show yesterday talking running backs. So I just wanted to get your opinion, just sort of from a fantasy perspective. If the games or without Wentz, with one of these two backup young quarterbacks, how badly does it negatively affect Taylor, Pittman, all the skill guys? Yeah, I think it certainly impacts the wideouts for sure. Pittman, yeah, yeah. Huge, huge expectations for year two. They, I think the Colts expect him to be their WR1 this year. But if you are relying on him or on Easton or Ellinger, it's going to definitely take away some of those deep shots. 
Paris Campbell, T.Y. Houghton drop as well. But, I mean, uh, we were hearing every single day out of Colts training camp, Jonathan Taylor looks like a superstar. He's having monster days in camp right now, breaking off huge runs day after day, multiple times each session. So I do think Taylor's keeping that momentum going from the second half of last season, where I think he finished second in the NFL behind Derrick Henry in rushing yards over the last seven weeks of the season. So I do think Taylor's reached that point where whoever his quarterback is, however stacked the box is, he's going to get his yards no matter what. And that's a super exciting component to this offense where if Wentz does miss the first three to six weeks, you're going to be seeing probably 25 carries per game for Jonathan Taylor, who looks more than ready for it. And obviously with no Nelson, that does hurt the running portion of that too because you think, okay, stock up. As far as fantasy goes for production for Jonathan Taylor with Carson Wentz out, they're just going to run through Taylor with that offense. And then all of a sudden Nelson goes out and it's like, okay, well, they're – that's going to be even more difficult now, too. So you can't just pound the ball and physically dominate people up front either. But with, with Jonathan Taylor, how do you see the usage for him? Is it is it like a Nick Chubb thing where he's so talented, but maybe there's another back that's in there a lot on third downs and taking a lot of the passing game targets away? Or do you think Taylor's truly a, a three-down back that's just going to be out there as much as he can handle? Yeah, I think it's a luxury with the Colts have right now. I think Taylor proved last year with his hands. That was one of the biggest questions coming out of Wisconsin was his ability to catch the football. But he had a 90-plus percentage catch percentage during last season, which really goes to show you he worked on his hands. He did very well with Phillip Rivers last year in those checkdown situations. So I think Taylor can really do it all in this offense. I think he's one of the better backs in the NFL already. But the Colts have Marlon Mack, who is back from his torn Achilles that he suffered week one last year. And he's actually doing really well in training camp so far. No hindrance on him. He looks like the old version of Marlon Mack that we saw in 2019 when he broke out. So I think Mack could be used a little bit as a change of pace. Naheem Hines, of course, comes out on passing downs. So I could see early on in the season, uh, around 65 to 70% of the snaps go to Jonathan Taylor. But you sprinkle in half of that, 15 and 15 each between Mack and Hines. I think it's a really good balance to have. It keeps Jonathan Taylor fresh through the second half of the season. But I think, quite honestly, if Taylor catches a rhythm, um, and get, gets a hot hand, so to say. It's hard to take him off the field with how special the talent is. More on that new look Colts passing game, at least early in the season, how things could go with Pittman and T.Y. Hilton and Jacob Eason at quarterback. We've got to look at the defensive side of the ball. A lot of resources have been put onto that unit in Indianapolis. And what are the expectations now for the Colts in the AFC South? Finishing up with Evan Sidery next. However in-depth with repairs you can and would like to get at home with your vehicle, rockauto.com allows you to do so. Or just the staples, the things that everybody needs. Jumper cables. Do you not have jumper cables in your car? Go get some at rockauto.com. Engine parts, brake parts, oil, whatever you need, rockauto.com has it, and they have reliably low prices, such an amazing selection. Go to rockauto.com. You will be blown away by the selection they have on any vehicle you could imagine. I'm scrolling rockauto.com. It goes all the way down to 1909 Model Ts. Yes, they have parts for that. It's crazy. So fix up that old car. Keep your new car running smooth. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car or truck will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. How much do you expect to get out of T.Y. Hilton at this stage of his career? I think, honestly, the cultures expect him to be just a reliable target. I don't know if he's okay. really a WR1 anymore. I, I, he can give you those flashy moments that we saw in the second half of last season. But I think this is the year where we see officially the baton being passed on Michael Pittman Jr., who the Colts are super excited about internally. He has the body. He has the cans. He has the speed for a guy his size as well. He can do it inside, outside. 
and deep as well. He's really a multifaceted weapon for this offense. I think Pittman's in line to get 100-plus targets. Carson Wentz loves big-body receivers as well. And then don't rule out Paris Campbell either. I think Campbell is in line to have a really big year out of the slot for this Colts team as a mismatch weapon at 6-1 with 4-3 speed. And he also added in his ability to be more of a deep threat, which Marcus Brady, the offense coordinator, mentioned. They want to utilize Campbell more in deep situations outside of just really just gadget situations around the line of scrimmage moving forward. So I think this could, this could be a year where T.Y. gets around 50 to 60 receptions. But in the target department, I could easily see Pittman and Campbell eclipsing T.Y. Hilton this year. I'm glad that you brought up Pittman because I really liked Pittman coming out of college and I thought it was a fantastic pick by the Colts and, and was definitely expecting a huge breakout for him this year. I saw a couple of clips from camp with Eason throwing to Pittman too and it, it kind of hit me. He's like, well, maybe maybe this isn't the worst thing if you're just talking about fantasy production for Michael Pittman and, and maybe if there's not even a lot of W's early in the season with Jacob Eason as the quarterback, maybe down in games, you even get more targets for Michael Pittman. And last year he started eight games. He, he played in 13 games. He's banged up a little bit, 40 catches for 500 yards. I could absolutely see that double and see a thousand yard receiver with 80 catches with, with not that much of a problem getting into the end zone a little yeah. bit more because he's a big bodied player. So to be honest, I don't think this hurts Pittman all that much because at worst you're losing games, but you still have a big arm quarterback and you have to try to throw your way from behind. And so that, that means more protection for Michael Pittman, possibly. Yeah, that's a really good point, too. And Jacob Eason and Michael Pittman, the last two offseasons, have trained together in California. They, they were also together in 2016 in the U.S. Army All-American Bowl. So that they know each other from way back, even in high school, and they continue to train together in the offseason. So I think if there's one player that Jacob Eason feels the most comfortable throwing the ball to, it's probably Michael Pittman Jr. So that's a really good point, Brian. I think if Eason does start, you're going to be see Pittman maybe get a lot of those snaps and a lot of those targets as WR1. What's your trust confidence level that Frank Reich can make Carson Wentz the answer? I mean, clearly a franchise type quarterback that the that that's no longer a need, and he's the guy going forward. Before and what needs this, to happen, really? Yeah, before this injury, I would have said like seven or eight, but now with that okay. timeline in flux, I don't know because that the Colts are in a position to get their quarterback of the future in next year's draft. The Colts should be all aboard that because they can get off of Carson Wentz. But if let's say the Wentz experiment does work out this year, I would go around seven and a half because Frank Reich knows how to get the best out of his quarterbacks. He's seen it with Andrew Luck, Jacoby Brissett, even in 2019, kept them afloat. Philip Brewers had a career best season in completion percentage last year. So Reich knows how to scheme things open for his quarterbacks. And I think the same would be happening with Carson Wentz. Probably more so like the 2018 offense with Andrew Luck. A lot of rollouts, a lot of mobility, and a lot of those deep shots that we haven't seen in the offense within the last couple of years. And Wentz did display that in the first few days of camp. So I think having the running game, having the offensive line when it's fully healthy, once Eric Fisher and Quentin Nelson get back, it's going to be a huge deal for Carson Wentz. He hasn't had that kind of structure in a while in his NFL career. And now you have Taylor and the, the running backs, and you have the young playmakers on the outside. I think this is a situation where if all goes well with Carson Wentz and Frank Reich knowing how good of a play caller he is, there's, there's a good opportunity for Carson Wentz to really become a true franchise quarterback again, be more so like, a, I'd say, a top 12 quarterback in the NFL when it's all said and done because he has the arm strength, he has the playbook, and he has, I think, the scheme to really help him get rid of those bad decisions he made all last year in Philadelphia. I want to flip over to the defensive side of the ball here, Evan, because so much work has been done on that side of the ball by Chris Ballard in recent seasons. I saw the report from Tom Pelissero. Kamoko Ture has been virtually unblockable on the field. You add him to DeForest Buckner inside, which is a huge pickup, and, and – the Colts gave up a lot in trade and in salary to go get him 
last February. And then you have the first rounder in Quiddy Pay this year. What does it look like with that defensive front right now in training camp? Yeah, it's certainly been a dominant performance. The Colts defense looks to have taken a leap, but I also want to throw the caveat out that Quiddy Pay and Kamoka Ture are going against guys like Will Holden and Sam Tevy on a daily basis instead of Eric Fisher and Quentin Nelson. So that might be helping out a little bit as far as that goes. But even so, I mean, you're beating those guys like a drum consistently. It does show that guys like Kamoka Ture and Quiddy Pay are ready for big leaps already in the 2021 season. I love the potential of this pass rush. They were a top 10 defense last year. Adding Quiddy Pay and a healthy Kamoko Ture to the mix, this team could be a top five unit. All they were missing was consistently a pass rusher last year. Justin Houston gave a spark in the first month of the season, but he really tapered off over the last three months of the season. Didn't really do much after that. And then it was just a lot of pressure on DeForest Buckner. Nine and a half sacks, but he franchise record 22 quarterback hits last year, even ahead of guys like Dwight Freeney and Robert Mathis. So he's a monster interior presence for them. But now you add Quiddy Pay to the mix, who I was in love with during the pre-draft process. Him and DeForest Buckner make so much sense next to each other. And if Kamoko Ture can provide you a boost on the outside on pass rush situations, he's going to get you around seven to eight sacks next year. And don't rule out Taekwon Lewis. The Colts are really high on a former second-round pick in the 2018 draft who will be replacing Danico Autry as their full-time starter at left end. So they have a lot of young guys there. I think Pei and Ture could really be a special unit together as the bookend edge rushers. You add in DeForest Buckner to the mix. Adding Grover Stewart as a elite run-stuffing nose tackle. I think this Colts defense looks pretty complete. The only question for me on the defense is your cornerback spot. Mm-hmm. You have Xavier Rhodes, you have Kenny Moore at the nickel, but then you have a, sort of a camp battle going on for the other boundary spot between Rocky Sen, Marvell Tell, and Isaiah Rogers and TJ Carey. So it's something to watch out for there. But I think 10 out of 11 spots on this defense are complete, and it just goes to show how special a job Chris Bowder has done to rebuild this defense. Yeah, very well said. And, you know, the Colts have used a lot of second round picks on these edge guys and then really invested heavy in pay, who I think is a, a perfect fit. How, what do you expect out of him in his rookie year? Do you think he's a full-time player? Is he pass rush snaps only? Is he 60% of the snaps? What, what's your guess? I think he's a full-time starter from day one. And he's a guy to me who might be getting 80 plus percent of the snaps during his rookie year, which is a pretty special thing to say for a rookie. Cause we all know the adjustment for pass rushes can be a little bit tough, but Quiddy Pay has been destroying tackles in camp from what we've heard. And it just goes to show the work ethic he has and his speed combination, which is super special for a guy off the edge, a faster three cone than Tyree Kill ran, which just goes to show a freaky of an athlete that he is off the edge with his bend. But I do think Quiddy Pay is a guy to me, especially with DeForest Buckner, it's going to be an easier adjustment. If I had to be on the soft end of a, of a projection, I'd say around seven to eight sacks next year. But it wouldn't be shocking me at all if Quiddy Pay hits the ground running if him and Buckner just terrorize teams on the left side of the offensive line and he gets mm-hmm. nine or ten sacks, ten, nine or ten sacks next year becomes a legitimate defensive rookie of the year candidate because Quiddy Pay, at least through the first week plus at camp, looks like a top five uh, player on their defense. We got to talk about Darius Leonard here, Evan, and uh, he is the star in the middle of that Colts defense. A big contract, I'm sure, on its way. Uh, the timing of it makes it so he could say, oh, look, I get to try to be the new highest paid linebacker in the NFL after there was a brand new new highest paid linebacker in the NFL just a couple of weeks ago. Do you think Darius Leonard is going to surpass the Fred Warner contract around $19 million per year, maybe get that $19.5 million, $19.1 million a year, something like that? Or, um, or is this a situation where this might play out for the whole year and might have to wait until the next offseason to get that big money if he wants to be the highest paid linebacker in the NFL? And then he also had a little uh, ankle surgery in the offseason before camp, right? 
Yeah, that's correct. He did have ankle surgery, so he's going to be out for, I think, another week or two in camp. Might just miss a little extra time. He doesn't need to practice much with how special of a talent he is. But I do see Leonard coming back sometime in August. We'll have to monitor that situation. But he'll be full go by the time the regular season happens. But as far as the contract goes, Brian, I really do believe that Leonard gets that extension. The Colts and Leonard's agent have been talking consistently over the last month. Plus, Chris Bauer mentioned he wants to get a deal done. So does Leonard's camp. So I think there's talking about semantics behind the scenes about that right now. But we've heard from Adam Schefter around a four-year deal worth $19-plus million per year. I, I'm with you around 19.1 to 19.5 is what I would expect for Darius Leonard to get each year. The Colts actually just uh, got an extension done for right tackle Brian Smith, one of the more underrated guys at position in the NFL, for $18.1 million per year, just right over leapfrogging Taylor Moton, who got an $18 million extension with the Carolina Panthers. So. I do think there's talking numbers behind the scenes, but I do think a deal gets done here very, very soon between Leonard and the Colts. Evan, last thing I got for you is, you know, we talked about Pay's potential early impact. Buckner and Leonard are the straws that start the drink on this side of the uh, of the, the field for sure. But the Colts have a budding star in Julian Blackman that I bet most of our listeners don't understand his impact and a pretty good safety situation overall. Yeah, Julian Blackman is a super special talent. I agree with you, Matt. He was right away. You saw his potential in week two last year when he replaced Malik Hooker after he tore his Achilles. Now Hooker's out in Dallas on a one-year deal. But Julian Blackman is a guy who is everything Malik Hooker was supposed to be for this Colts defense. A true yeah. ball hawk. He can make all the plays. He can even force fumbles. A great tackler as well. He was a guy who was in the defensive rookie of the year race throughout last season. He kind of tapered off in the last month of the season as far as making big plays goes. But Chris Bauer did mention this offseason during the draft or after the draft that he thinks Julian Blackman could take an all-pro leap this year, and I agree with him. He looked like a true top-five safety at his position last season at points, and he's only 23 years old. This guy has so much potential moving forward to be a true impact all-pro type of safety. And Julian Blackman and Kari Willis, don't rule out Kari Willis either. He's a very underrated, strong safety in, in this league. They're both under 25 years old. Having those two guys, your bookend safeties in the back of the defense to grow together, that's a special kind of component the Colts have right now. They have so many young guys on this roster that can grow together, and and that's what makes this Colts defense really high-end potential. I could easily see this team, if Blackman takes a leap, if Willis takes a leap, you have Bobby Okariki make, being a star in camp right now, linebacker, while Darius Linder is out, and then the bookends, Pay and Ture. If all these guys take leaps next year, this Colts defense not only could be a top-five unit, they could be potentially the number one defense. I mean, if everything clicks together at the right time for this defense, they have truly, truly special potential. Even with Wentz out, and we didn't know how good Wentz was going to be anyway, that defense, if they're able to hold serve there for the first few weeks, keep things close, run the ball, a couple of big plays to Michael Pittman Jr., maybe they could surprise some folks and win a few games. Uh, and I know it's hard with so much in flux and not knowing how this team is going to look for the first few weeks and when two really important players on offense are going to be back on the field. But what's your sense with the AFC South? Can the Colts, and it wouldn't have been a shock before, but it would maybe be a shock now to say, yeah, maybe the, the Colts can still shock the world and go um, go beat out the Tennessee Titans for the AFC South title this year. And uh, the Texans, we know, aren't going anywhere. Upstart Jacksonville Jaguars might be something to contend with in the near future. I don't know if that's going to be early in the season or not. What's your vibe right now and where the Colts will finish in the AFC South? Yeah, I think they're comfortably, for me right now, behind Tennessee. I just think this question with Carson Wentz and Quentin Nelson has really thrown a loop into things. I think the Colts could have 
been the AFC South champions. They still can be if Wentz and Nelson return early enough. But I do think they probably split the series now against Tennessee. I did predict a sweep before these injuries. So I do think the Colts are a better team than Tennessee. The Titans defense has, I think, regressed from where they were this past season, which is, a, I think, a good sign for this Colts offense to get some momentum going against them. But I, I do think Arthur Smith is a big loss for the Titans as well. But now with these injuries kind of throwing a loop into things, I didn't think the Colts are more so like a 9-10 to 10 win team max. But if they come back at week one, I, I could see a 12-win season for the Colts and being AFC South champions. But either way, with how soft that schedule is in the second half of the season, I think we're going to be seeing a close finish between those two teams, and both teams make the playoffs. Fantastic stuff. That is Evan Sidery. He's the host of Locked on Colts. You can find them everywhere you find your podcasts, at Locked on Colts on Twitter, at E Evan, appreciate the time, man. Thank you so much. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you.